Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 81st episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. This week, we have Jamie Vanneman, Merchandise Coordinator for the Akron Rubber Ducks. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, folks. I know I say this every week, but there are 80 other great episodes with so many different people, with different backgrounds and awesome stories so go check that out there's something back there for everybody uh we're slacking a little bit guys um we haven't had a new comment or rating on apple Podcasts in quite a while so that will get you a shout out on the podcast so go drop a rating and comment on apple Podcasts. that little purple icon on your iphone that helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. I know it's been a couple weeks, uh, but in case you missed it, I finally decided to make a designated Twitter account for the podcast. So go ahead and follow that at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp podcast and reach out about coming on as a guest as well. You can also... Get in touch with me on my personal Twitter account at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. With that being said, let's chat with Jamie Vanneman. Jamie, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your Monday evening. Uh, I know the season is crazy and it's coming to an end. Um, so yeah, just appreciate you taking the time out of out of your night. Um, this is a podcast about working in baseball, but how excited are you for football season? Your Twitter name is Football Jame. Um <laughs> Your your avatar on Twitter is you decked out in Browns gear, um, and a lot of your tweets are are Browns affiliated. So so, how excited are you for football season? I am unbelievably excited. I crave the football season, and last season really was. I've always been into football, but last season I think it was just the turning point for the Browns, and also just like really getting into it myself. And I got this like random like little push of followers on Twitter that was like Brown's community Twitter basically and having that really like amped me up even more and so now it's like every game day it's like a live tweet fest and I was so happy to be back into it yesterday it was awesome that that is awesome when you when you find that little like sub you know thing of Twitter yeah, that you're like little group yeah that that is pretty awesome so okay uh now obviously the Browns had a tough go at it the first week they played the Kansas City Chiefs um and they lost but what kind of season overall do you think the Browns are going to have I think we're gonna have a really strong season I don't like to make score or record predictions just because I'm usually very wrong but (laughs) I do think we're gonna have a better record than last year so I'm after seeing yesterday even though we lost I think the product on the field I think we're gonna be fine I think it's gonna be a really good season to be a Browns fan yeah, yeah, I I really do think like the Browns have a great defense. Their offense is electric and grimy, kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, only complaint I have is give it to Kareem Hunt more because he's on my yeah, fantasy team. Absolutely. But <laughs> okay, we I think the first play that he got the ball, I said I was like he's about to jump over everybody. And he immediately just leaped over into the end zone. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, that's that's exciting. I really do think you guys will have a good season. So, um, how did you become the merchandise coordinator for the Rubber Ducks? I saw on Twitter that this wasn't exactly your dream job. Um, so, how did that come to be? Yeah, so it was kind of a weird um, situation. I was I had had a history with the Rubber Ducks, um, which I'm sure we'll go into, mm-hmm. but. At the time, I was waitressing, and I was working retail. Um, I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods and a restaurant that's um, a taco restaurant up here in Northeast Ohio, and I absolutely hated retail. I loved my waitressing job. I was working at Dick's, and I could not stand, like, the corporate retail. I thought it was terrible, but I knew going – I started around, like, Black Friday going into Christmas time, and so I knew the hours were going to be really good. And my whole thing was I wanted something that I could work basically opposite my shifts at this restaurant. Um, So I was working 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Dick's, and I would then go and waitress from, like, 4 to 10. And in that two-hour window, um, Dick's was catty-quartered to the restaurant I worked at. So I would get off at Dick's, go to the restaurant, and basically sit and apply for jobs on my computer for two hours and then waitress. And I was – basically trying to save money, trying to move away, trying to find a job in sports. That was really like all happening at once. And randomly one night I got a text from somebody that worked for the rubber ducks and he said, I need you to give me a call when you get a chance. And you know, when you get a text from somebody that says that it's like, you should call them right away. Right. It's going to kill you to not know. Yeah. Um, so I called him right away and he told me that this position with the rubber ducks was opening and there were only two positions I could think of that I would take, um, that I had experience in, that I thought I would be good at, and that was either community relations or promotions. And that's what right. I had done um, for the Hot Rods. That's what I wanted to do moving forward into the future. Right. And he told me that the community relations position was opening up. Um, and told me to submit my resume. I did. I um, got an interview slot. And... When I got on that Zoom call for the interview a couple days later, it was supposed to be with just our GM, um, but our AGM was on the call too, and I thought that was kind of strange. And immediately they went into, um, so we know this interview is supposed to be for community relations, but this other position just very, like, currently just opened up, like a couple hours ago just opened up. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's surprising and weird. Um and my first thought that it was that it was the promotions job that our promotions manager had left because that would have been super unexpected and I couldn't think of another job that they would be, you know, thinking of me for. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said it was merchandise. And I think they could see, like, the disappointment in my face when they told that to me because I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I really think I'm more on this community relations side. Uh, but they started to explain that with some changes to the sales staff, our community relations position is going to be more sales focused with also a community relations aspect instead of uh, the other okay. way around. And yeah, so knowing my past with ticket sales that I had done with the Ducks, they were like, well, you probably aren't super interested in that. Um, and our AGM, Scott Riley, ended up having this, he said this one sentence to me that really sold it. And um, he said, you know, I can teach you merch, but what you can't teach somebody is, you know, loyalty, dedication, passion, organization, and you have all these things for the rubber ducks. You've shown that to us. I'll teach you all the merch stuff. You already have the skills you need. And I just thought about how I was working 6 a.m. to 2 and then 4 to 10, and I was like, you know what? I'm looking for a job. I need to take this job. There's no reason I should say no. Um, so I said yes, and it was still kind of shocking to me when I got off the call. I texted Scott, and I was like, did I just accept the merch job? And he said, yeah, unofficially, verbally, you did, but obviously we're going to send you a letter. We're going to do it the, the right way, but yeah, you, you're you in. Um, but yeah, that was kind of how it all came to be, and even you know my first couple months into the job and a couple months into the season, I still was not sold on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until probably June or July that I really fell in love with it. Okay. You know, um, this kind of, you know, it it reminds me of a time in my life. Um, So I have a communication degree, um, Mm -hmm. and I went to the baseball winter meetings, and I interviewed with a bunch of teams, um, and most of them were for more internships, and I already had 
internship, so I didn't really want to go that route. And um, so I interviewed for a director of media relations and marketing position for the Beloit Snappers. And I was like right up my alley, and I was so gung-ho about it. And um, they called me and they said, well, you were in our top two, but we, we made the offer to somebody else. And at that point, I had been a garbage man. My dad, oh my, my dad owns his own business in Pennsylvania, um, and so, but they they liked my interview process, I guess, and they they said we do have this other position open, um, and it may not be ideal, but it'll help you get your foot in the door. Um, we need a director of food and beverage. And I was like, well, I've never even worked, I've never waited tables, I've never, I've never (laughs) been like, you know, like a line cook, like I've literally never worked in any sort of restaurant ever. And they said, well, really, we just need a hard worker and somebody that is used to working in sports, because you get, Mm -hmm. you get the pulling tarp, you get the, um, other duties as a sign aspect, um, so... I went in and I was the director of food and beverage for one season. Um, and then after that, they let the person go that was director of media relations and marketing. And I moved desks after that. So, um, yeah. so it does sound oddly similar. Exactly, um, your, yeah. Yours sounds a little, a little more cleaner than, than mine. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's so crazy. Like, you know, getting your foot in the door and, and getting new experiences, how that helps you out in the, in the future. Absolutely. Um, so I know that you have, you have worked with the rubber ducks beforehand. Um, and so you've come and gone from Akron a couple different times. What always makes you return to the rubber ducks? Um, I would definitely say two things, kind of three, but two are kind of similar, but timing and the people uh, that work for the Robert specifically, like I mentioned, our AGM, Scott Riley. Um, he has kind of been my, my mentor and pushed me every step of the way. Um, so my history with the Rubber Ducks kind of started in 2017. Um, I was an intern in promotions and fan engagement. And that internship was, like, what taught me everything. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I had an incredible boss. I said, this is what I want to do forever. This is my dream job. Um, And obviously, like, that wasn't – I was an intern. I was still finishing up school. So I – that was 2017. 2018 took a year off. 2019, I um, came back in ticket sales. um, And – that, you know, I was able to come back to an organization where I knew everybody, everybody was still the same, same people were there, um, and just got kind of a deeper connection with everybody, um, on top of being able to work for the team, basically in my hometown. Um, and then throughout that process grew really close to Scott Riley. Um, and he was the one that, um, when I moved to Kentucky and, you know, COVID shut everything down, I got laid off and ended up moving back up here. He, um, as soon as the minute he found out I was back up here, um, because I, went back to the rubber ducks and was like, Hey, um, can I be an intern? I, I had this other, you know, work from home tech job that I accepted just to kind of get through COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, and the minute he found out I was back in Northeast Ohio, he said, yep, come to the stadium. You're doing all the things right to get a job. The minute a position opens up, we're going to fight for you. It's going to happen. Um, so he was really the one that kind of, you know, pulled me back in every time I, I left or, um, was looking for other jobs or, you know, trying to get a position. He was the one that was like, okay, no, we're going to get you one. We're going to figure it out for you. Um, and then just being able to come back, even when I, um, you know, stopped working with the rubber ducks and was waitressing and working at Dick's. And, um, the minute they announced that I was, you know, coming back in the merch director role, mm-hmm. um, or merch coordinator role, um, I got so many text messages from everybody that worked for the team that was like, we're so happy you're coming back. Like, we're just so excited. Yeah. So, that's cool. Definitely like that. Yeah, it's a very like family aspect. Um, they're the people that get me through every day. So being able to come back to them and have those deep connections and work for like the team that we all love and care about is really what keeps me with the Akron Rubber Ducks. Okay. 
That that is awesome. It's so crazy how how close you become with with the other front mm-hmm. office members. Well, to be to be fair, like you're seeing them more than you are any other friends or family during the summertime. Actually, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um. So that and th- this is going to be like an impromptu question. This wasn't on the outline. Yeah. Um. But so you said that your boyfriend works for the team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm interested because I didn't have nearly as good a luck. Um, but how do you how do you guys make that work? I've I've had other couples on the show um, that mm-hmm. that make it work. Um, but personally, me like I dated somebody in my front office, and it was terrible. Like it, and and that <laughs> yeah. may that may have just been us as a couple. But also, when you're working together for, like, 100 hours a week, mm-hmm. I don't really want to see that person more <laughs> when I go home, you know, for the for the six hours I have to sleep. So, you know, uh, how do you guys make that work, exactly? So, it actually works out really well for us, um, because I'm in merch, and he is in ticket sales, and he's also the PA guy. Okay. So, um... I, my office is in the team store. It's completely separate from the sales floor. So I like, am not really up there that often. We'll cross paths throughout the day. Um, but then during games, I'm, you know, running the merch store and he's PAing the entire time. So we actually like don't interact hardly at all mm-hmm. as much as we spend a lot of hours in the same building. Yeah. Um, and I hear his voice the entire game. Right. Um, it's not one of those things that like we are constantly like interacting with each other, or working together. We work very separately. So yeah. It works out well to, like, be able to come home and, like, still have separate stories and separate things that happen to us at work throughout the day that we then, like, have more to talk about or um, we're not just, like, recapping the same things that we did over and over. Okay. Yeah, I I guess it would be much easier with a larger front office than four or five, which is what... I was working with so oh yeah yeah so so that may have been the downfall there but um (laughs) but I I I always think that's that's interesting and and like quite honestly like like you're from Akron and I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know if your boyfriend is but typically minor league baseball employees like move around a lot and it Mm -hmm. and if you're working that much it's incredibly difficult to meet somebody to date um, right. So, so kudos to you guys for making it work. <laughs> Thank you. And that was one of my things. Like, I kind of had a very like, I always had the mindset like I don't want to date my coworkers. I, that yeah. was always kind of like a messy situation that I didn't want to deal with. But for some reason, like throughout my life, I've always ended up dating coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just because I'm a person that loves to be at work. I work all yeah. of the time. Even like I said, you know, like my part time jobs, I try to take up as much time as I can working. Um, so it always ends up like if I were to try to date somebody outside of work, I feel like I would never, ever see them. So mm-hmm. it works out well. Like now I think we have a very good balance of we work at the same place so we can talk about work and not feel like, you know, he's not sitting at home waiting for me to get there. I'm not sitting at home waiting for him to get back. Right. Um, we're working the same hours, but don't actually interact. Okay. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. It's, it's really, people like, you know, ask me the same thing all the time, how you spend all day with them and then come home with them too. And we end up making it work really well, so. Yeah, that's that's good. All right. Um, so I know, and I, I asked this this question to um, to Marco when he was on the podcast a long time mm-hmm. ago, but obviously I know there's a lot of history behind the Rubber Ducks name and Akron, but how does it feel to work for a team that is named after a child's bath toy? It's definitely, like, there's a stigma around it because there's always people that it's, like, a very, like, love-hate. You either, like, really love the Rubber Ducks name mm-hmm. or the people that absolutely hate it and they, um, like, miss the arrows. Yeah. But with, like, knowing the history of, you know, like, the rubber industry in Akron, right. it's never, for some reason, never crossed my mind about, like, the, you know, bath toy, like, thought process. It's yeah. always just been, like, oh, it's the rubber industry, it's tires, it's whatever, right. and, um... My family actually owns a tire business. Um, oh. We're not manufacturing tires; we're selling tires. But um, so when they renamed the Rubber Ducks and had like the tire tread and everything, I always thought it was really cool because I was like, "Oh, like it kind of ties into my family business." And 
yeah. the rubber industry in Akron. So I really like it. And from a merch perspective, um, because there's already so mm-hmm. many rubber ducks <laughs> themed toys out there, it makes my life very easy from like finding um, our bubble blasters or quackers or different little rubber ducks trinkets are really easy to come by. Yeah, yeah. And and there's so many like different colors that you can go with it. Yeah. And, and I, I mean... And you put it on your Twitter that you met your um, your game day sales goal already. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I feel I feel like having a rubber duck as like you know the logo and the mask is a little bit like cheating. Like like I, <laughs> right. I like I feel like people are definitely going to buy that as soon as you guys rebranded. I was like I was like man they're gonna kill it in merch. Mm-hmm. And people do like they. Cause we have like the duck head logo that has the tire tread and it's very cool. And there's very, there's like a deep, I don't know all the, you know, like, um, aspects of it, but there's, you know, different things that the colors and the tread symbolize different things, but people love the, like, I have it on here, but like the faux back rubber duck logo, mm-hmm. like that's by yeah. far everybody's favorite. They flock to that way more than the other logo, which I think is so funny because that's the one that, you know, has all of this like thought process and has, you know, gone through all these different symbolism and aspects and everybody's like nope we just want the rubber duck which is fine by me but yeah okay i may have to cop me some from rubber <laughs> ducks merch so it looks like you're a big foodie and you do a lot mm-hmm. of traveling and you even have your own instagram dedicated to your your fooding i guess <laughs> yeah. i don't know how how you would make that a verb but um what has been your favorite concessions item that you, that you've tried and where was it? Um, so I would say one thing that just like, I don't know if it's specific to this ballpark, but at PNC park, they have uh crab fries. Yeah. Um, and it's basically French fries tossed in like old Bay or crab seasoning and they come with cheese sauce. And I think they're just so freaking good. And every time I go to PNC park, we get them. Um, that's one of my favorites. And then at um, Canal Park, we have Johnny Lotte's Latin Street Corn. Um, and he actually, like, has a stand that he does, like, a food truck different places, but also has a stand at the ballpark. And it's incredible. It is so good. And that's one of the, definitely probably my favorite thing to get when I'm at work. Okay. Um, and then there was the, um, what was it called? Oh, the Redneck Poutine in Bowling Green, Kentucky at the Hot Rods. Uh, which is basically just french fries covered in other fried foods and i got to try it one time and it was it was a heart attack but it was so good that all sounds so good (laughs) and me being on whole 30 i'm like how many days oh yeah yeah right (laughs) counting down (laughs) is is pnc your favorite uh mlb park absolutely yeah yeah it's mine too um, and my last guest, my last guest, Craig Warsheka, it's his favorite too. Um, yeah. So your boyfriend's from the Pittsburgh area, right? No, he's actually from, um, Columbus. Oh, okay. You just went to yeah. Pittsburgh just to go? Yeah. So we went, okay. um, earlier in the season when the Indians played the Pirates. Uh, um, okay. me and my best friend are, she's from the Pittsburgh area and we're really big Pirates fans. Um, and my boyfriend's actually a really big Reds fan, but my best friend's boyfriend's an Indians fan. So we were like, we just okay. have the weekend off. We're going to go um, out of town for a little bit. So we ended up going to PNC. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I went there quite a bit when I was in college because I went to Slippery Rock, which is an hour okay, yeah. north of Pittsburgh. Um, and the Pirates were so bad back then. Like, <laughs> tickets were literally like $5. So, yeah, so I mean, I would, they're still pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they are. But, <laughs> but like, they were really bad back then. And, um, yeah, it's still my favorite park. So, um, and I've been to, not a, not a ton, but, like, a decent amount. And, yeah, I, I love PNC. There's nothing beats that view. Mm-mm. No, it's, it's gorgeous. Every angle of the ballpark is absolutely beautiful. And being able to see, like, the skyline and the whole city from there, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. My go-to when I go to Pittsburgh is Permani Brothers. Mm, did, yeah. Did you go this trip? Oh, yeah. I've been to Permani's a couple times. Oh, yeah. Permani Brothers is so good. Man. Um, so you worked in Bowling Green briefly, and, and it sounds like that was 
that was uh, cut to an end because of COVID. Um, mm-hmm, unfortunately, yeah. that you know that threw a wrench in a lot of um, sports business professionals' lives for sure. Um, but what was it like working with former guest of this podcast, David Heimerdinger, aka Dinger? Dinger is an absolute nut, um, but he was so fun to work with. He's one of my best friends in Kentucky. Um, we did a lot together. We went to Nashville a couple times. Um, we hung out a lot, and he still to this day calls me at the most random times to ask me weird questions, or there was one night that he was at one of the bars in Bowling Green, and he knows I have the Touch Tunes app on my phone, which like you can play songs to different jukeboxes. And he called me and was like, hey, the music at Hilligan's sucks. Can you play good songs from your phone? And I'm, like, up here, like, yeah, sure. So I'm on the phone with him also, like, typing in and, like, playing different songs. And he was texting me every time a new song came on. and was like, hey, thanks, hey, thanks. So <laughs> he's so funny. We still keep in touch. I'm, I miss him a lot. Yeah, he seems like quite the fun guy to hang out with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, his... He was he was very early on in in the podcast, but his yeah. inter, his interview was was good. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Another one I enjoyed was Marco Lanave, who I've I've met uh, quite a few times in person because he worked in the Midwest League with me. Um, mm-hmm. Rest in peace, the Midwest League. Um, <laughs> but um, so he's he's come on this podcast as well. Also, an all-time interview. What's it like working with Marco on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> he is probably like the most organized and professional yeah. person with our organization, and he's also just one of the kindest and mm-hmm. easiest to work with. Um, you can tell, like, you can feel the passion and like how much he loves his job. And we actually yeah. had to work together a lot recently to get our um, 2021 team sets put out. Ooh. And me, who like I'm don't know a ton about baseball, don't know hardly anything about our players, um, was not the person I, I was just like the middleman between the manufacturer and Marco, basically. And he was so on top of things the entire time. That was the closest I think I've ever worked with him. And he uh, just made the process seamless. He's very, very good at what he does. He he is. Like, it's, it's incredible, honestly. And I only mm-hmm. saw him when he came to visit Beloit. So, like, yeah. I can't even imagine, like seeing him work on a day-to-day basis like like when he calls right. when he calls a game he has like all those colored uh markers and uh or pencils maybe i don't remember um but yeah. like he he has everything down to a certain time slot and it like it's so on cue um and yeah he's he is also like just the nicest person like yeah yeah it's incredible he, i don't how he has the patience that he has obviously like we all crack at some point I've never seen Marco crack I've never seen him you know get frustrated with anybody and he's just he's always like looking out to help and like I said my boyfriend being the PA guy right before I think it was his first game or um somewhere around there Marco was talking to him about like his his pregame like what he does to get ready to call the games and like drinking lemon water and drinking tea and all this stuff and he just has the same rituals he's He's great. Yeah, he he is awesome. That's that's cool. Um, so it looks like based on your social media that you are a stoolie, um, as I am, as yeah. a, as <laughs> am I. Um, so what was it like meeting three time national champion Coach Dugs and providing him with some rubber duck swag? He is Coach Dugs is exactly the same in person as he is in all of the Barstool content that he does, which I think is wonderful. And I think that's one thing that's, like, really special about Barstool in general is that everybody is very, like, authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was one of those people that uh, the only reason I knew he was even coming to Akron was because I DM'd him, and we had, you know, communicated a little bit, and I found out he was doing this tour of minor league stadiums, and I kind of kept nagging him, like, hey, will you let me know when you're going to be in Akron? Like, I, I wanted to know, and he you know, didn't come in looking for first pitch or looking for any sort of attention or gear or anything. I only hooked him up because I'm I'm a big fan of him. So he's just a guy that loves minor league baseball. So I have to respect that. And I really like, I loved meeting him and getting to give everything to him and then seeing like that he still wears like the hats and the shirts and everything in Barstool videos as do like a couple other Barstool personalities that always, you know, 
it's so funny to me when I'm watching a video and I see somebody with a duck shirt on and I'm like, oh, hey. Yeah, that is, that's so cool. Um, can you imagine just, like, having a career based on, like, you look like a fictional character? Like, right. that's so crazy to me. <laughs> I, was, I remember he was talking about it, just like, if Big Cat had made that character look any different, he would not be where he is today. But right. he just happened to make this guy that looked like him, and he capitalized on it, but... That's so wild. Incredible. I would love to have a job that just, like, paid me to go to minor league baseball and parks. That would oh, be, absolutely, yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, so... <laughs> What are your favorite Barstool podcasts that you listen to? Not that they need any more plugging, but I'm just wondering. Right. <laughs> um, definitely part of my take. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Cat and PFC, I think, are Geniuses. the best duo in sports comedy. They absolutely kill it, and it's probably the most entertaining podcast. Anything Big Cat or PFC puts out, um, I have like a weird crush on PFC. I don't know why, <laughs> but I just really love him. Okay. Um, and then... Token CEO as well, um, okay. just with how smart Erica Nardini is, and she's so business savvy and just very good at what she does, and she gives a lot of really good professional advice, which I um, really enjoy, and I've learned a lot from listening to her podcast. Okay, yeah. that I, I haven't listened to Token CEO, but I do listen to Pardon My Take um, every episode, and mm-hmm. I, lis- I listen to KFC Radio as well. I, yeah, I do love K. I love KFC a lot. I've watched a lot of the Friday Night Pints. Yeah. And I actually ended up on an episode of Age, Sex, mm. Location at one point, which was like the random dating show that they did over, I think it was earlier this year, but it was, I just, they randomly got this DM, like asking me if I wanted to be on it. And I said, sure. And it was a, this dating show hosted by KFC that was in Twitter Spaces when Twitter Spaces and yeah. Clubhouse were still like a big thing. Um and that was like it was super weird and it just kind of it came and went but that was my biggest interaction and like once I got done with that I started to listen to KFC radio more and like follow Kevin's content um but he's a hilarious guy he's also extremely good at what he does oh yeah I I just love that he's a I don't know what like a delinquent like like me I guess yeah just (laughs) um but that's interesting. So how did that go? Like, so this was before your boyfriend, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was earlier. Um, I want to say it was in like February, March ish. And it was basically, they picked like three girls. They had done like maybe four episodes. I think mine was the last one that they did just because it like really was not going very well. And I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. Um, but I had like some like random interactions with, um, Barstool people have a pretty good relationship with one of their social media guys. Oh, okay. Um, and somehow got reached out to about it, and I said, yeah, like, I'll go on it, and it was three girls and three guys, and mm-hmm. it was hosted by, um, KFC, Feidelberg, and Kelly Keegs. Yeah. And they just pretty much asked different questions, and it was, I think it was supposed to just be kind of a conversation between the six of us, hosted by those three. Okay. And then, at the end, it was kind of like morphed into like uh, okay is anybody like interested in anybody and we were all like no not really like we're just on twitter it's <laughs> nothing like no these people live near each other um, okay so it was just it was a cool thing to do but it wasn't anything right. that like obviously i wasn't on there trying to date anybody from twitter but okay um, it was interesting and it was funny so yeah okay that's pretty cool final bird's a mess man i i love yeah. him but he's a mess <laughs> So, he's, so, he's so funny there's just sometimes he puts out stuff and i'm just like there's something wrong with this guy but he is so funny yeah i mean yeah i my my week consists of listening to a fantasy football podcast putting together this podcast and listening mm-hmm. to pardon my take and kfc radio yeah i also listen i like to sprinkle in crime and sports too if you if you're not familiar with that one, check that one out. I'm not. I'll definitely have to look at yeah. that. Yeah. Crime and Sports, basically, they just, um, not that they need any plugging either, but um, <laughs> basically, they'll take they'll take an athlete, and it you know it could be somebody that you definitely know of, like Pac-Man Jones, or um, mm-hmm. or it could be somebody you've never heard of, like like an English soccer player, and they just go into like their their lives and basically see like why they got real messed up in their childhood Mm -hmm. and then how that leads into them breaking 
all the laws when they get a lot of money and become famous and become professional athletes. Yeah. So. I definitely think that would be like, I don't know if that would like mess me up a little bit where I'd be like, oh my gosh, and start to like think about like my life or something, but that's crazy. Yeah. And they have some like, they don't have a lot of baseball players, but they have a few. And it's, and it's Mm -hmm. funny because like there, there was one where like, for instance, like this guy played um, for the Clinton Lumber Kings, you know, like back in the seventies, and yeah. um, and like how he got into legal trouble in Clinton, Iowa, like like where there was oh where there was a minor league team, you know, and yeah. well, you know, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, I like that one as <laughs> well, but um, <laughs> you gotta love when when things from your team goes viral, right? Like, oh, yeah. it's just free publicity, and right. but your guys, so how shocked were you that Tim broke up with <laughs> Alyssa on the, on the uh, video board at Canal Park? So, I was extremely, like, shocked and confused by it at first, and like I said, my boyfriend's the PA guy, so he reads all of our fan chats, <laughs> yeah. so a lot of the times I'll you know, like, take time to stop and, like, listen to them, and sometimes they'll sprinkle in ones that are aimed at, like, other employees. Okay. Um, calling out people's, like, Cub Scout troops or laser tag teams or just, like, random stuff at, at other employees. Right. And when that one popped up, I was like, we don't have anyone on staff named Tim or Alyssa. That's so weird. <laughs> and then I realized that it, like, was not something that had been put up there as a joke, and right. I was like, oh, my God, like, that, I think that actually just happened. So... And then, you know, it kind of came and went where I was like, oh, that's wild. And the crowd reacted to it and everything. But it wasn't until, I want to say a week, a couple days to a week later that it got traction on social media and started to blow up. And we were all kind of like, oh, this is actually like getting attention. And we, um, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you saw that we're doing a Tim and Alyssa night um, on Wednesday to um, kind of like keep playing into it and see like if we get any more interaction from Tim or Alyssa that night. So that's definitely going to be interesting. So Tim and Alyssa will both be present. We don't know. Oh, okay. Because we have we've had no interaction with them. They haven't said anything to us. We do have people. Um, we actually have a season ticket holder couple that are named Tim and Alyssa. Um, so they're going to be there because they're season ticket holders. But yeah. They, and they've like they love it. They think it's hilarious. So, um, so they're going to be there. I think they're both throwing out a first pitch. But they um, reached out and they were like can we do anything for this? Like, just play, like, these other people, whatever they're doing, they're broken up, but we're still together. Can we, like, keep going? And we're like, yeah, I guess that's fine. So, um, we're going to have them out, but it's anybody named Tim and Alyssa get a $5 ticket, so. Ooh, okay. And here's, Hopefully they show up. Yeah, here's an, here's an idea, and I'll let you, I'll let you have this for free. You can, you can take <laughs> it, you can take this as your own if you want. Besides people that listen to the podcast, they'll, they'll know it came from me, but, you guys should have a, like, some sort of, like, you could make two nights out of it, actually. You could do, like, some sort of, like, dating, like, night, like, kind of like, um, what, what was that? The dating game, I guess, is what it was called. Yeah. Um, but you could have, you could have, like, a Tim dating game, like, one night, mm-hmm. and get, you know, you guys can take DMs from, you know, just put it put it out there in the twitter sphere and be like hey here's tim he's newly single as as you guys all know everybody in Akron right. knows like if you're interested in tim slide into our dms we're gonna pick like five lucky girls and and yeah. then like you know put them behind the curtain like ask them questions and do that like in between innings and stuff like that and then you could do the same thing for an, an Alyssa dating night right try to find them someone like better for exactly. each other than than them exactly I love that you can you can have that one so I'll take that I'm definitely definitely gonna see what we can do all right perfect all right um, so. And I was looking at your guys' website and, and your social media and stuff like that. So, to my knowledge, now, there may be other teams that do this now, but the Rubber Ducks are one of the only teams that fans can order can order merch and get it delivered to their seat mm-hmm. during the game. How has that changed the merchandise game for you? 
So it definitely obviously made a little bit more work um, on my end, but it's something that I think is, I'm trying to get it to be more popular. It's, it's been pretty decent, pretty consistent throughout the last couple games. Um, the whole reason I started it was because on our customer surveys that we sent out at the end of every homestand, um, it's broken up by each category. And in the merch section, the main complaint we always get is that the line is too long, okay. which business-wise is great. Sure. I love to hear that. But right. I also don't want it to deter people from buying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started the shop from your seat thing as a way to get people like, you know, you may not want to wait in this line, but if you just go ahead and purchase it online or just sit in your seat and scroll through the website, I'll bring it to you. And it's actually ended up working really well. And it's, I really do enjoy taking merchandise to the fans. Um, and mostly because like, you know, they obviously get really excited and two, the people around them see me coming with like a bag of stuff right. to hand off and they want to know like, where, why do they get that? What's mm-hmm. going on? Um, and we've also started to workshop different, um, you know, like tiers almost to it. Like you spend X amount of dollars, Webster will bring your merch to you or okay. um, one of the other mascots nice. or anything like that. So um, we're going to see, I think that's definitely going to be a next season uh, move. But we've also had people um, like in the store, they'll pick up a hat or a shirt, realize they don't want to wait in line, buy it online, and then just walk up to me with their phone and show me the confirmation and say, hey, can I just take this? And I get all the, like, orders sent to my phone, um, so I get email every time someone places an order, okay. and I'll just check that and be like, yep, go ahead. So it's almost worked out that people can just walk in and shop from their phone and then walk out, and as long that's as it's wild. cleared with me, they're good, so okay, that's worked out really well. All right, that's pretty cool. Man. Yeah, I mean, like, I imagine, you know, like, obviously things have changed, Um Mm-hmm with with covid and everything like that and you may not want to be in a crowded store anymore you may not want to yeah. wait in line anymore um so or leave your seat if you have kids and that kind of stuff so i get it mm-hmm. man that that's pretty cool all right yeah it's definitely worked out really well and it's helped me a lot our website is a little bit of a mess right now just because um the previous merch director before me, um, I don't think he had like a solid grasp on putting it together. And then pre COVID, obviously I don't think the online, um, like e-commerce wasn't obviously a big driving force at the time. So it's a little bit of a mess. It's a little hard to use, but my big off season project is overhauling it, making it easier and making it simpler to do the shop from your seat specifically. So next season is going to be really big for that. I have a lot of respect for, um, merchandise managers because um so one so at one of the teams I worked for the person that was in charge of the merchandise and I always felt like we were undercapitalizing on this the the person was was older that that ran it mm. and not tech savvy didn't know what was what was in and what wasn't and so I just felt like we could have capitalized on merchandise more anyways um that person like we came out with our copa identity and mm-hmm. we were like hey are you gonna put the copa hats on you know our merch website and that person said that they were too busy for one reason or another and mm-hmm. i was like well you've known this is this date has been coming up for three months so right. what are you doing and uh, they said like here, here's my username and password. Just go ahead and do it yourself. And I was like, I've never been in this site <laughs> yeah, ever. I've never done this. Yeah, I've literally never done this. Um, but it ended up working out, and we got the Copa hats on the website. But um, through a lot of trial and error. Um, <laughs> but so I do have a lot of respect for for merchandise coordinators and directors. So we were kind of in the same position um, with the guy previous to me. Um, he wasn't older, but he was just a guy that, you know, I'm a big like Instagram person. Mm -hmm. I am, I like to think I'm pretty fashionable. I like to take pictures and I'm pretty deep in like the influencer marketing type stuff. So that's like one reason that I will send merch to people at Barstool or, you know, coach Doug's and things like that. Um, but on top of that, wanting to really push our merch in more of like a digital marketing direction instead of just, you know, saying here's our team store, but actually taking pictures of people wearing our merch and encouraging people to post pictures in our merch and showing people how it can be fashionable. And that's something that we just have not had at all in the past. Um, so that's my big 
goals for the off season is doing way more of that and more digital creating an Instagram account and a Facebook for the store specifically and all pushing it that direction. Okay. Awesome. That is, that is cool. Um, not that I'm like necessarily an influencer, but I did have another, uh, merchandise, uh, coordinator send me some, some, uh, gear. And so I, I took some pictures and posted them on, on my socials. So if you want me to do the same, I'll do it. But... <laughs> we can de- definitely hook you up. Okay, cool. Not, like I said, not, not that I'm necessarily an influencer, <laughs> but, um, hey, the but pe- all attention is good no matter what. The, so. the MILB, uh, Twitter sphere will, will see it. So that's, that would be well, it. That's all we need. All right. Perfect. <laughs> What is your favorite piece of merchandise that you've helped design for the team store this year? Uh, so this year I didn't get to do okay. a lot of um, like new ordering or designing just because we had so much merch and I true. came in in March. So pretty much everything That's was, true. you know, done for the season. Right. Um, but I did get to do a couple reorders and in one, um, I'm a big long sleeve shirt person. So I was like, well, I'm just going to order a bunch of long sleeves because I, I want them. Um, and I ordered this highlighter pink long sleeve that has the faux back rubber duck logo on it. Um, and I am obsessed with it and it didn't sell like crazy well at first. And then I ended up posting it as the first item, like the featured item on our website and posted a picture of myself. It's the newest picture on my Instagram wearing it. Um, and now we're almost sold out just from like pushing it digitally more. That's cool. And that's by far is my favorite shirt so far, but there is also, um, some hats and sweatshirts that I put in orders for that are going to come this fall and then next season that I am insanely excited about. So that's awesome. And I, and I really do think like you're doing all the right things from what it sounds like to capitalize on the merchandise Mm -hmm. thing. Like, you know, like you said, like shipping it to people that work at Barstool or to to other, like, people that are popular on Instagram or Twitter or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, I think that's that's the move right now. Um, and, and you're definitely capitalizing on that. So I, I hope the upper management sees, sees that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the craziest situation that occurred during a game that you've had to assist with? Um, so I would say it would be the first day. Um, so when I was in ticketing, uh, I was a ticket sales associate. We had to come in early one day um, to pull the tarp, ironically enough. Sure. Um, had to be there much earlier than, <laughs> than our report time. Um, but we came in and... We were all hanging out, and our AGM, Scott Riley, came and grabbed me, and he was like, I need to talk to you right now. And I was like, okay, like, that's weird, but he pulled me into the press box, and he looked at me, and he goes, Kyle, who was our promotions guy at the time, um, he still is, he said, Kyle can't make it in today. He's got something he's got to deal with. Um, we have a doubleheader. You're running promo today. And mm. my first question off rip was, like, am I going to be on the mic? Because I had never been on the mic I had never emceed anything like that I hadn't really done promo since I was an intern and he said if you unless you have some weird stage fright I don't know about yes you're going to be on the mic and I said okay and we had about two hours to write script for a double header uh, pick the promos work with our corporate team to make sure all of the activations were going to happen um, go through all of that organize the interns talk to the interns and let them know like what was going on and get it all ironed out um, but we ended up making it through um, this double header, and that was probably like the craziest situation that it almost was like a blackout from start to finish for me, where it was like once the game was over, I kind of looked back and just didn't even really remember everything that happened. But yeah. um, it was crazy, but it was also very reassuring and like affirming of like, okay, this is what I want to do um, because I loved every minute of yeah. it. But it was absolute chaos um, for a lot of the a lot of the time. Right. Okay. Yeah, that man, that's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, just to be thrown thrown in there on promos that that is a little mm-hmm. scary. So, um, I've had to like do emceeing from the press box because I was also the PA announcer um, mm-hmm. and DJ for every home game oh, wow. in in Beloit. Um, but there were a couple times where our promo guy wasn't there and I had to run the promos from the press box. So, so I can only imagine, I, I prefer to be behind a microphone, like with people looking away from me. I, (laughs) I could not be like on a regular basis, like the on-field MC and have everybody Mm -hmm. looking at me. I couldn't do it. So kudos to you. See, after I did it, I... I don't know what, like, when I had this, like, realization that I really just loved attention. I love to be in front of people. <laughs> I love to speak in front of people. Um, and then once that happened, my big thing was, like, okay, well, I have nothing prepared. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to MC a sumo wrestling contest or, like, this, this joke competition. Like, I just don't know what, like, words I'm supposed to say. Um, and I ended up texting my boss from when I was an intern. And I asked her, I was, like, hey, what, like, I'm about to MC this game. I, like, I don't know how, like, what I'm supposed to say. And she told me, she was like, you can plan out, you can write yourself a script if you want. You will not remember it when you get up there. You no. will just black out and you're just going to say what you say. And she said, no matter what, like, people are going to laugh. Like, if you mess up, they'll laugh. If they, if you don't mess up and you do great, they're still going to laugh. So, um, she's like, no matter what, you're going to be entertaining, just do it. And she was right because the minute you're standing in front of everybody, you just have to kind of dive in. And to this day, like, I don't remember like looking back like okay what happened in that sumo competition what did i say what words came out of my mouth but we got it in so there you go wow that's awesome what has been the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work um so in my experience like with my game day staff i was extremely lucky to have like absolutely rock star staff members Um, I would not have gotten through this season without them along with my interns as well. Um, but there was one day that I had one of my interns, we were in the store, um, just getting ready for the game and a police officer came into the store and he goes, Hey, whose car is this? Like described it. Whose car is that? Um, and my intern goes, Oh, it's mine. And we look outside and this police car had just rammed into his car. And we, the cop was like, yeah, I hit your car. Um, so let's take care of it, like all the, in- all the information, everything. So he went outside and did that, called his family and everything. Um, and I ended up letting him go home. I was like, just go and handle that. Like it's wow. we we don't need you tonight anyway, but that was probably like the weirdest thing that I've had to send somebody home for was that. Um, and okay. he ended like, I came, he came back in the next day and I was like, it was everything. He's like, yeah, I mean like my transmission is real messed up on my car, but everything else is fine and it's all getting paid for. So Wow. But yeah, that was like a very weird situation. You don't hear of police officers hitting other people that often, so... Yeah, that's what we were... When he came in, I was, like, very confused. And then um, when he said that, we looked outside and just saw that he... It didn't even look like it was any sort of, like, you know, a tap when you're trying to park or anything like that. Like, he just very much hit this car. Wow. It was, it was wild. That's so crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, what's the weirdest interaction that you've had with a fan? Um, I haven't really had many, like, super crazy weird, which is, I know, like, that's, I've had, like, definitely creepy, um, as a girl, there's definitely some creepy interactions I've had, I've had people say, oh, like, oh, I remember when you were an intern, but not in, like, a nice way and more of a like weird way oh, and i was like ah oh, that's that's strange i've been here for four years it's odd that you remember that yeah um and we've also had a few um people that just would come in like in full costumes and things like that and like that's always been strange to deal with like checking out somebody that's in a full like tiger costume is odd and there's no explanation for it there's no theme night going on but oh okay. people are just people are people yeah that's strange okay <laughs> Those would probably be, like, kind of, like, more leaning the weird interactions we've had. Yeah, I would, wow. I was, I, I, I would ask so many questions. I'd be like, um, is there, like, a convention going on? Like, what's going on here? Like, yeah, and it's one of those things that you just, I kind of just let it go, let it ride, see what happens. 
Um, we had a fan in, I think it was 2019 when I was in ticket sales that he told us all that. Actually, I think that he would be the weirdest. I just remembered him, but okay. he um, told us, he just loved to tell stories to everybody that would listen, but he like firmly believed that um, Donald Trump was his uncle um, and that he had been a pro wrestler at some point and he carried around like a replica WWE belt. Um, he would always talk about fighting Stone Cold Steve Austin and he like firmly believed these things and want, and every time we would like laugh and be like, Oh, that's so funny. He was like, no, I'm serious. And we were like, okay, you just have to buy it. At some point he came to almost every game and just was not a season ticket holder. He bought a ticket every single time and just firmly told these wild stories that he very much believed were real. So that was he was also a really fun interaction to have. We always knew that he was going to come with some crazy story. So <laughs> that's funny. There, that reminds me of like we had a guy that we used to call Peanut Joe in Beloit, and uh, because he would stick around after the game, he would pay for his tickets because he would stick around after the game and sweep up peanuts um, out of the stands. So that's why we called him Peanut Joe. Um, Interesting. And yeah, so. He, he big sports nut. He's kind of got like um, a Rain Man thing going on. I don't okay, I don't yeah. know what the technical term or the medical term for it is, but like he is the type of person that would be like, Bobby, what, when's your birthday? And I'll be like, It's May fourth. And he'd be like, he'd be like, Oh, um, the Chicago Blackhawks won the. 1992 Stanley Cup on that day, um, and it and it was raining here in Beloit, and he'd be like, also the Cubs won, you know, and and like just like yeah, just like remember all those like, really ridiculous back. like sport. He'd be like he'd be like oh like Sammy Sosa had a had a two run bomb that day for the Cubs, and I was like, how do you know this? <laughs> how do you remember that? Yeah, like yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, so was he just sweeping up the peanuts just to, like help? clean or was he like doing something okay so like he would he would come like when i was director of food and beverage he would say like hey bobby can i can i clock in and i'm and if like it was a busy night i'd be like yeah go ahead clock in he'd clock in for like an hour or so and and help sweep the peanuts you know or Hmm. you know sweep the stands basically for for trash and stuff like that um and that would pay for like the next night's ticket for him basically so gotcha yeah um but yeah he's yeah minor league baseball (laughs) attracts the best people but also some different people so some characters yeah that's that's for sure um so this is the pulling tarp podcast so I gotta ask if you have any wild or crazy tarp stories. Um, not anything probably much crazier than anybody else. Like obviously, I've seen some some pretty serious spills. Yeah. Um, I did see there was one day that it was insanely windy, and I saw one guy get thrown. Mm-hmm. Um, like not like far, like crazy, but it just like the wind took the tarp in the right way that he just kind of got thrown to the side, and we were all like, "Oh, this is." probably not safe for like five of us to be doing this right now right um yeah definitely like there's always going to be those days where you only have half of your staff or less there to do it and it's usually when it's raining hardest or it's the windiest or it's the worst weather that you have the least amount of help that that does seem to be true for sure yeah i mean in in beloit i think we are consistently pulling like during the day consistently pulling with like six people and it was terrible, miserable. Yeah. So we do have some listener questions. Derek, who's been on this podcast, respectfully, mm-hmm. as a fan of the pod and the Chiefs, I would like all of the fan-submitted questions to be about the Browns. So not a question, <laughs> but... Um, I did see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the Snapbacks and Interbrews podcast which they haven't put out a podcast in a super long time. They need to change that. Um, but, but um, yeah, Austin. That's Hunter and Austin. Yep. Correct. Okay. Yeah, Hunter and Austin. And that was a great podcast. But And they, they started it during COVID, but 
I guess they got too busy with the minor league season, which mm-hmm. tends to happen, which is why I waited until I was out of baseball to start this. Out, to start a <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but they asked, what was it like to see the Browns do Browns things ag- again after such a long off season? <laughs> it was those couple like plays that were just very, very Browns were hard to watch, but at least like, I could look back at everything else and be like, okay, it was, it was fine. We had a couple, a couple snafus, a couple things that shouldn't have happened, but overall it was good. So. Yeah. And I, I think you guys just got like the short end of the stick because you got the chiefs week one. Mm-hmm. And I, I really exactly. do think you guys are talented this year and you're going to have a good season. So, um, and I currently work for a competing insurance company but i do love um baker's um commercials (laughs) yeah those those commercials with um you know them acting like the stadium is his home is so funny yeah yeah but um yeah so go browns um since you guys aren't in my division so um (laughs) I'll, i'll root for the browns where can the listeners find you on social media jamie um, so my social media handles are pretty much the same, um, except Twitter is at Jamie Ray with two E's in Jamie and two E's in Ray. Insta is Jamie Ray, but only one E in Jamie Ooh. because for some reason it was taken. Oh, okay. Um, and then TikTok is, um, just Jamie Vanneman, just my whole name. Um, I don't have any videos up yet, but that's also an off season project. I have a bunch in my drafts. I just Ooh. have to still figure out how to use TikTok and then also get them out there so i'm gonna try to do more minor league baseball like working behind the scenes based tiktoks and then obviously like with kind of the foodie side of everything some of those as well so okay off-season project very cool my wife has been trying to get me to make a tiktok for a long time she doesn't post any videos she just she shares a lot of them with Mm -hmm. with me and her friends um she thinks i would like it but um I just, I don't need another app. I, I accidentally got rid of Facebook, um, so that was relieving, actually. Um, but mm-hmm. but also, I help run, like, my work social media, and I've worked in minor league yeah. baseball where I ran the social media for the teams that I worked for. So I'm a little over, like, having all of these social media apps. Right. But, I may have to tune. I may have to make one and tune into to yours. So it's definitely something. It's a huge time waster. You can get sucked into TikTok very easily, but yeah. it's also something that, like, weirdly, there is so many useful like things on TikTok, like just little life hacks or information that like you just wouldn't find other places. And I don't. I don't know why it is, but there's a lot that like, especially with like food, cooking recipes or like yeah. workouts things like that I like watch different demonstrations on so it's definitely really interesting there's a lot of sports ones out there too a lot of teams and a lot of behind the scenes ones that I really like okay that's cool yeah my wife I know gets like some recipes off of there and like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff so all right May- maybe I'll I'll check out TikTok one of these <laughs> days when I'm super bored um but so I know you've listened to a couple different episodes excuse me uh but during your minor league baseball career, what has been your favorite walk-up song, and whose was it? Uh, so I don't know whose song it was, but during my intern year, one of the players had um, Dirt on My Boots by, I think it's by John Party. Okay, yep. Um, but it was the exact same part every single time, and it was just the um, Dirt on My Boots, I'm taking her uptown tonight, or something is like that one, yeah. and it was just that every time and our intern year is one of those things that it would play and we would all just like want like our ears were bleeding we were like we cannot listen to this like section of this john party song ever again and it became like a running inside joke within like our intern class that we would always hear it or like we would just like yell at it random times okay Um, so that's the one that like i thought is like the funniest like had the most connection with um and then but i have no idea whose it was like looking back i cannot for the life of me remember whose song it was all right well we'll we'll ride out with dirt on my boots and i'll add it to the (laughs) spotify playlist um the pulling tarp walk up playlist on spotify 
Um, but thank you so much, Jamie, for taking the time out of your evening. I know things are crazy. You're starting a, the last homestand of the year tomorrow. I haven't looked at the rankings, so maybe you guys will get some, some games for uh, playoffs. We are in uh, first place still, so Ooh. we are looking at probably going to playoffs, we're hoping. Nice. So. Just just adding to that game day merch goal. Love it. Right. <laughs> All right. So again, I'm the only person that's like really excited right. for playoffs just because I it helps me out, but everybody else it's just like, oh, we have to work more hours. Our season's not over. Right, right. So again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening, Jamie. And thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. Um, and yeah, just thank you so much. Best of luck the rest of the season. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.